Hey, welcome to the Jungle Brothers Podcast. It's Joey here, and today I'm chatting with old friend Jess Fraser. Jess is a jiu-jitsu black belt, and she's a pioneer of Australian women's jiu-jitsu with the organization that she runs called Australian Girls in Gi. She also holds a white belt in skateboarding. Now, you might know Jess if you're a long-time listener of the show. She first appeared back on the JV Podcast on episode 66, where we spoke all about her road to black belt. And that was a really cool, inspirational story. Even if you're not a jiu-jitsu frother, you should go and check that out. But today we chatted more about um, some other aspects of the jiu-jitsu world. We spoke about how to thrive in a really tough martial art. Uh, and we spoke about what her views are on when it's time to quit. Now, if you're not a jiu-jitsu aficionado, don't sweat. There's a lot of relevance here because really what we're talking about is how to thrive within a tough sport that you know is taking a toll on your body. Um, and sometimes that ends up taking a toll emotionally as well. Uh, and then views on really when it's time to hang up the gloves of whatever it is that you love doing. And I think that for anyone in a contact sport, this is a, a thing you're going to have to grapple with, no pun intended, at some point. So really relevant chat there for, for you know, people who are engaging in even, you know, heavy training. It's, uh, it's, it's a reality of it. So a really cool chat with Jess. I enjoyed it. It was great to have her on the show again. She's been doing a little bit of PT here at Jungle Brothers for some of her private clients and it was a, it was great to get the opportunity to get her back on the show now before we jump into it two things one we've had some ongoing tech issues which has resulted with our show not properly publishing on itunes or google what's happened is we've ended up with two shows on each of those platforms and for most of you who have been listening to the show for a while and subscribed to it you will be subscribed to the old show so you're not actually getting the updated episodes it's a bit of a quagmire. If you just search Jungle Brothers as opposed to Jungle Brothers Strength and Movement, you'll find the new show. But basically, I've been, we've been working to try and get Apple to sort this out for us. It's just a technical thing on the back end. If you listen on Spotify, it's all good. Nothing, uh, everything's all fine there. So great. But uh, hopefully within the next week or so, that is a problem of the past. The other things I want to mention is we've got two courses coming up. We have a movement workshop in May, which is next month. 14th and 15th this is where we cover all of the foundational exercises we use here in the gym body weight strength training weight lifting movement work and mobility will be covered over two days this is for you if you are a coach or a gym owner who wants to upgrade your education so that you can deliver a better service to your people and this is also for you if you are just someone who enjoys training and wants to expand your arsenal of techniques so if you want more information on that go to junglealliance.com. It's all there. Second course we've got is for coaches. That's our coaches intensive, world famous course. Two days again, bigger days in the movement workshop. We go through all of the key aspects you need to build a successful PT business and become a world-class coach. That is June 18 to 19. And you can also find all of the information you need for that at junglealliance.com. All right, onto the show. Great to have you with us. Please enjoy this chat with Jess. show <laughs> cheers mate um good to have you here thank you i i wanted to ask about the the injury piece mm. i think we spoke about it last time you were on the show sure for folks listening jess fraser pioneer of australian women's jiu-jitsu pioneer of jiu-jitsu mm. um black belt strength enthusiast many things um the 
the the piece I remember spoke about last time was there'd been a cut. You'd been knocked off your bike, oh. and you'd had this huge rehab phase after that. Yeah. From what I could tell, you were back on the horse. <laughs> oh yeah. In terms of training, jujitsu, lifting, mm. and whatnot, and then. Was it a was it a knee dislocation? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's been more. So like when you say last time in the piece we were talking about an injury, you could choose any moment in time. <laughs> Are you? T- do you consider yourself to be an injury prone person? Not at all. But like, not like not at all. But I believe that like, I think stop start jujitsu is probably the most dangerous approach you can take to doing jujitsu. Like, yep. I really am certain of that. And I, I always thought that, that, like, consistency is key, even if it's, like, less than you want to do but more consistent, um, you know, less than you want to do each day but more consistent, you're safer. Um, and, you know, the last two and a half years, it's all been stop-start jiu-jitsu. So, like, everything I've done has been dangerous. And we went into the lockdowns just after my 40th birthday. So I'm doing it as an older athlete and... You know, like that, everything is like the perfect storm to set me up for that. Yeah. So each time we came out of lockdown, I just was like, yeah, somebody getting let out of their straitjacket, like all of us, right? So I jumped back in, even though I had been training and like running or like doing anything I could with a kettlebell. Jumping back into jujitsu like a crazy person is like a lot. And both times that we came out of the major lockdowns in New South Wales, I hurt my knee. Right. <laughs> so, like, probably, you know, they're probably both the same thing, the same problem. But, yeah, like, I just, it, yeah, stop start jiu-jitsu sucks. Don't do it. <laughs> do an on-ramp. <laughs> like, you know. Um, tell, me, tell me more about that. Like, why, why is stop start jiu-jitsu bad? Uh, I think that when you're doing jiu-jitsu consistently, like, uh, I don't know, like everything's firing in the right patterns. You have um, you have better timing. You use less strength, you know. Um, you're less likely to do a weird explosive movement just that little bit too late. Um, a lot of that sort of stuff. You're a bit calmer. I don't know. Like uh, I'm in a, sure – In like, a groove of sorts. Yeah, I think so. And also like um, there's not that feeling of like I haven't trained for a week – Let's get it done now, you know, like fully everything. Like I'm going to do every round and like I've got to do it now because I might not be here tomorrow and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like my excitement of jumping back into um, jiu-jitsu was very driven in that energy. Like it, it's uncharted territory. I've never gone through a period of time without jiu-jitsu in my life. So um, I'm, I'm learning like everybody else how to get back into it after all of this stuff. So... Yeah, like I, I've learned how not to do it. <laughs> and that's like, <laughs> you know, like one of the big things is like as soon as um, the the lockdowns or whatever like restrictions ease, I'm like I'm one of the only people in Australia that's really doing jiu-jitsu as my whole life and that's like a weird thing, you know. Like so I don't own a gym or a facility but I'm doing jiu-jitsu as a complete athlete and I use it to um, make my income. So as soon as I'm allowed to, I'm going to go and do a seminar, you know, which also means because of like the way that airports are at the moment is I'm cruising around in a van. So both times I've hurt my knee, I've been driving, say, from Sydney to Brisbane, got out of the car, stretched a little bit, taught a seminar, and then as soon as I jump into roll, my knee like 
goes wild. And of course it does because my hip flexors are jacked. Like everything's just jacked, you know? Like I'm 42 now. I'm expecting things out of my body that like my brain's ready to do, but my body's not ready to do potentially. Even though I'm strong, even though I'm fit, even though I'm really good at jiu-jitsu, it's just, it's a lot to ask, you know? So um, just perfect storm of bad decisions, really. Yeah. Yeah. So really, it's an interesting point. The stop-start thing is, it's not like a concept that's discussed a lot in mm. this, you know, um, in the mature person's or the adult's approach to sports. Yeah. But I think it's so relevant. Mm. It's the same as, yeah, you you know, you want to go play a casual game of soccer on the weekend and your chances yeah. of rupturing your ACL are really high. Yeah. Uh, because you played soccer for two decades yeah. when you're a teenager and in your 20s, but it's fucking been a bit of a layoff. Yeah. Somehow, you, neurologically, you know how to do it, and That's you can right. and you can go back in at that intensity. Yeah. Still got a touch, still got the timing. Yeah. But mechanically, there's there maybe yeah, there's something that's <laughs> like your your body's not prepared for it. Yeah, that's right. So lacking an on ramp is like I, I don't know if yeah stop start. I'm hoping that people understand what I'm saying by that. But lacking an on ramp or preparation for each session is <laughs> something that I've I've done, and that's just been out of pure excitement you know like yeah and and that's fair you know like jiu-jitsu has been my life and and I missed it so like I'm, I'm not annoyed with myself for making the wrong decisions I'm just like yeah of course I did that like <laughs> I'm a madman <laughs> I always I always giggle a little bit when uh, a friend of mine tells me oh hey man like I've decided to get into jiu-jitsu uh, yeah. the, you know there's a friend of mine that's doing it so I'm going to go with them or some friends have mats at their house or, you know, it's like a yeah. casual kind mm. of engagement and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to go do it like once a week for a while. And you're like, oh, man, like I don't want to crush yeah. your spirit, but it's not going to end well. Yeah. Like it's you, dangerous. Like, yeah. Yeah. So and you won't, prog- you won't learn enough to get out of that dangerous phase. And yeah. Yeah. I agree with that entirely. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say that you can't just do it. Um, yeah. Casually. But you'd want to be doing something else that supports that. Yeah, I think. So whether there's like a couple of training sessions a week of, of whatever it is, whether it's lifting or like, I don't know, like another martial art, like what whatever it is, something else as well, and that will probably keep you yeah, safe enough to dabble with jiu-jitsu. But I don't know, like uh, I think age actually is a big factor as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I jump in and expect to roll with you, like, after <laughs> a four-month break, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know whether everybody sets that expectation um, of themselves. If I remember correctly, you passed my guard within about <laughs> ten seconds. <laughs> I don't know whether that's true, but sure, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it. I think that's one of the things. Like, I've just started skateboarding, you know? Uh, like, I love it in a way that's, like, full froth. Like, I'm white belt froth about this thing. And my whole family skates. Like, everybody in the family skates except mum. Um my older brother was out of all of us the skater when we were growing up and he we've talked about skating and he wants to get back into it but he says every time he tries he thinks he's going to kill himself or destroy something right and I think that that's a good example of kind of what we're talking about like I don't feel like I'm going to hurt myself with skateboarding because I've got no expectation not hurt myself in the same way that I would with jiu-jitsu right but I don't have any expectation of what I'm going to do on a mini ramp like I'm just flapping around if something scares me too much or if it's clearly out of my scope I don't do it whereas my brother would definitely try to do what he used to do 
and have this expectation of himself. And it's almost impossible for him to go, okay, cool, I'll just noodle around like Jess. Yeah. Like, because that for him is infuriating. That's not skating. Yeah. You know, whereas, yeah, anything's a gift for me on, on a board. Like, and I feel like, yeah, like as a black belt, mm, I don't want to just drill, you know? You want to engage in that yeah. way that you know how I to engage. I want to bash you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go into the fire, yeah. shall we? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that, and that's how I enjoy it, you know? So, yeah, like it's all, it's all a, Uh, a prison of my own creation you know Mm. what do you think about you know getting older 42 now Mm. and obviously that you know you can see that doesn't last forever this jujitsu thing i mean nothing does but you're like fucking hell this sport takes a toll yeah um how do you how do you see that playing out Mm. because you know, me, like I'm there myself, I'm 38, mm-hmm. 39 later in the year. And 38 felt good though. 38 still feels pretty good. I don't want to scare you, but it felt good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but Comparatively. No, f- yeah, like I, but, but, I'm also, but I'm also aware of like it's not forever. Mm. Whereas I think when I was in my 20s, it was forever. Yeah. You know, and, when, and, and I think that it can be forever if you want it to be. You just got to mm. adjust how you engage with it. Sure. Um, but... But, you know, you look at the game and it's almost like when you're going through those years, you're in your 20s, early 30s, it's just no thinking of this is ever going to end. You're just, mm. you're just loving it so much. And then I look at people who I know. I remember coaching a guy. He was a black belt. I met him at the outdoor gym, uh, one in, uh, in Randwick. Mm. And he was like, oh, you do jiu-jitsu? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, oh, fuck. And he, he liked the calisthenics that I was doing. Mm. He's like, oh, you fucking got a good muscle up. And he said... Um, can you teach me some of that? And I said, yeah. And I was like, do you train jiu-jitsu? He said, yeah, I'm a black belt. And I was oh. like, oh, holy shit. Okay, cool. cool. And uh, so anyway, he started training with me. And I was like, what do you, you, know, what do you want from this? And he's like, I want to get really fucking strong so I can bash all the young guys that have been coming at me. <laughs> and, I was like, and I can't remember how old he was, but maybe mid-40s, yeah, right. late 40s. And, you know, he was a mess. His body was a mess. Really lovely guy, like strong and, and stuff. But he was so tight, beaten up classic jiu-jitsu body yeah you know and i i was like i think you got to change your mindset around Mm. wanting to bash these people because you can't Mm. like there's gonna or or maybe you can today but not tomorrow or maybe tomorrow is next week like there's gonna be a point where you have to go okay i can't engage with it in the way that i want to Mm. and i either have to change how i how i engage in the sport or i have to avoid it altogether which is your brother, right? Yeah. How do you see that? Like, what's your thoughts on that for yourself? Um, I guess, like, uh, the past two years I've contemplated this a lot because I'm part of a generation that's never – doesn't have leadership of other women and doesn't have leadership of other women that then retired. So I've never seen anyone stop, you know, like there was always – we were always going up and you're always like progressing and um, achieving more and doing the next comp and getting the next belt and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know what – I don't think many of us have good leadership to show us like what is a plateau and what is um, retirement, whether it's from being involved entirely or uh, retirement from coaching or retirement from – hard rounds or whatever it is or even from within the roles like you know you got dudes 
on like photos on the wall in jiu-jitsu that everyone's bowing to, right? And they're kind of these immortals, even though they're still around, most of them. But they don't retire. They don't get out of the way. So we haven't seen them like do that. We still hold them like reverence or whatever, you know? No like, one ever beat Hickson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but still. did everyone, anyone ever fight him? Like, yeah. I haven't seen any footage. So <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to navigate it for the first time and um, understand what it looks like to change that relationship, you know, because I've always been pretty, like, staunch on the mat and rolled in a certain way that was, like, um, pretty physical, pretty aggressive, you know, and I've really enjoyed that. I know for me just personally, and I know people don't like to hear this, but I don't want to not be the hammer on the mat. So I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty okay with... um, I know that there's like a bell curve of like, and I'm doing like a hand motion of a bell curve, but there's like a bell curve you go up and progress and there's going to be a point where you start to decline, right? And I am I have a pretty okay relationship with like when that happens for me, I'm going to leave. I don't want to decline in the sport, you know? Like I, I don't enjoy it in that way. I know that, um, you know, there's, there's certain belts or like right now like competitors can – like bash me if they want to you know like you roll with a hope and an ari and you're like you're in trouble you know it's, it's a bad time with them hanging off your back like and my body can't um sustain that at this size this gender this muscle mass moving into like perimenopause like all of those things i can't sustain you on top of mount i just i just can't it's too hard on my body so right now there's it's few people that are going to pass my guard, you know, and the select people that are will take care of me. You, JT, people like that, right? Like, and that's a given. That was always a given, you know, but like my coach, but he's going to take care of me on the other side. Whereas frothy purple belts that have never passed me before that are hundred kilos. And once they pass me, they're going to froth and foam and bash me. <laughs> and I don't want to wear that physically, you know? So it's not that I don't want to lose. It's that, like, my ribs hurt after those experiences. So when people start passing me and actually physically beating me up that I can't physically handle, I'll walk away. And it's not about ego. It's about my body because I want to do other sports. Like, I've just started skating, you know. Like, when I'm older, maybe I want to play golf. I want my spine to move, you know. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is yet. But realistically, I didn't do jiu-jitsu till 30. Like, so – there was other sports that were my thing. Like, even though we joke about my Krav Maga pass now, like, I did it and I loved it. I loved pole dancing. I loved fire performance. You know, I did all these things and I absolutely loved it. And I wasn't the jiu-jitsu chick back in the day. Like, there's whole chunks of my life that I was the snowboarder. Funny? Yeah. You know? Like, so now I'm – oh, floppy mic, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm the jiu-jitsu chick, sure. But I don't know who I want to be at 60 – but I want to be making choices and exciting choices, you know. So jiu-jitsu was an exciting choice at 30. Like, so I won't give that away for jiu-jitsu, even though I love jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So that kind of, if I think about what that looks like, then it's kind of like at a point, almost like when you see a an athlete in their prime, to mm. an extent, retire. Yeah. You know, you see... Khabib Nurmagomedov, you know, retire from the UFC. Wonderful. At the top of the game and, yeah. and you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. there could have been more. 
but we probably maybe we would have seen a bit more like some more great victories but sure a decline would have come eventually yeah and we've all seen the fighter or the athlete that just refused to acknowledge that and yeah tried to stay in the competition stay in the fight and you watch the decline and it's yeah it's horrible yeah it's not the last cool. thing you want to see yeah so I guess for you, are you kind of saying that there would be a point, like that point would be before you hit the decline? Where yes. You, like, I mean, obviously we're all in stages of decline mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. You could argue. Yeah, always. Um, From birth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lovely. How good is it? Nice yeah. nihilistic for you today. <laughs> Fresh morning <laughs> chat. Yeah. Hopefully you're on your way to work when you're hearing this one, guys. Great to have you with us. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so you were like, yeah, fuck that. When I, as soon as I see that point starts to come, because mm. the decline is, in your words, not being able to do it in the way that you like to do it, which is yeah. physical and it is, yeah. you know, explosive and, and strong. And I mean, safe, you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, like, depending who you're rolling with. Yeah, but like all my your injuries. Your style is safe. Yeah, but like in, all of my injuries have come from me and a movement that I've done, right? Like if it gets to a point that I think that somebody else is going to hurt me just purely because of like – I'm not able to keep up. Like, no, I don't want to be in that, you know? Like, and I I have already changed my style. Like, it's definitely changed over time since retiring from competition. Like, it it just, I have changed a lot. And as a coach, you know, like I used to play heaps more top. The last five years has been heaps more guard, you know? Like, just because I don't want to bash my students every two seconds, you know? So, like, it's much more playful and um, open and... Yeah, inviting as a, a game, you know. But, like, and it can change over time. I just know, like, I'm a, I'm a participant in jiu-jitsu before I'm anything else. And I'll honour that person that is involved before I honour, like, having to stay as a coach and, like, the expert that I am and what I can offer. So if I'm not doing it in a way that I enjoy, yeah, I'll, I'll step away for sure. <laughs> and I think that that's okay as well. Like, I think... Um, I think stepping away from this sport will show others um, how you can, you know, and um, also show others that sometimes you need to step away so other, others can take up that space, you know. Like I feel a pretty big space in this community <laughs> and I think taking a step back um, in many ways would allow others to step into that leadership role and you know wanting to do that kind of stuff so I also like I think it's a good thing I think it's an exciting thing yeah 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 I, I would totally agree it's obviously always there's there's always a, a sad part to, to that but it's a transition sure. isn't it yeah and and you're right there's people there's other people that that want to fill those roles and want Definitely. to be that person have the energy and the time yeah. and totally. so you give them the shot yeah and then I can support them, you know, from the sidelines. And I, I look forward to those times, like, of seeing the baton passed on in, in certain ways, you know. Like, um, I, I think that it's, yeah, it's about, like, longevity in the sport. I, I don't know whether I want to do it until I'm 80. Like, I just don't know. Like, you know, people say, like, I want to be able to do this forever. I, I haven't felt that. Like, I want to enjoy it. You know, and like I have uh, one of my best mates that we lived in London together years and years ago and used to party a lot and she was always like, you have to leave while the party's still good and I'll be having the best time, like totally the best time in these like crazy big house parties in London and she'd grab me and go, yep, time to go. And I'm like, 
I hate this, but she was always right. So spot on. She was always right because it's so gross in the morning. Oh, like, you drag <laughs> it out. You're like, why am I here? <laughs> yes, I'll have another drink. <laughs> and that, like, I um, I feel like I learned a lot from that, you know? Like, Smart. Yeah. It's, it's strange, you know, like, I know people within the sport that, like, say their team changes or their coach leaves or they have to leave a team or whatever and it's so jarring to them. But the thing is it's a really long journey in this sport so this is going to happen. People are going to come and go. The team that you have right now is never going to be the same team. Like in five years' time you are not going to have this group of people. So if you enjoy them now, enjoy it now because they're not – it's not like given that they're going to stay. No. You know, like – and it's not given that you're going to stay. Like you might move to another team. Like this moment in time in your journey is just worth – Loving. And if you're not loving, step away. Do something else. Like, there's no chains to this thing, you know? Like, that's how I feel about it. Even though it's my whole thing and I am Australian Girls and Gee and I'm, like, all these things involved in the community. Yeah, I have no issues, like, putting the next thing first or the thing that makes me happy first. Mm. I think about that that idea with our gym downstairs. Mm. Uh, you know, there's been so many chapters in terms of the tribe that have, yeah. you know, been Jungle Brothers. Yeah, and and you can look back. You know, there's a uh, one of our members, Nat, who's been with us since the beginning, mm. and she would have joined the gym. I, I don't know how old she was when she joined. She joined with a group of friends, and they were all like, I don't know, 22 or something. Mm. And now she, you know, in in the the whatever seven eight years she's been training with us. She's gotten married. She, mm. you know, bought a place. You know, progressed with her career. Now she's pregnant. She's in the gym awesome. training the other day. She, you know, she's got a big tummy and stuff. Cool. And I was talking to one of the other old school members. It's like, how fucking cool is that? Like, yeah. I feel like she's my little sister in a sense. Yeah. Having seen what she's gone through. Um, but it also makes me think there's all the people that were part of the story that are no longer here. Yeah. And it just evolves. Yeah. People come, people go. And, you know, if the culture of the place is cool, yeah. then you would hope that, that each of those chapters is a nice one and it's a, it's a cool experience. But yeah. I think it's very poignant what you say about if you're really digging it, then love it like as much as you can because it won't be forever. Yeah, definitely. You know, like I think it's like, um, I mean, I I chose uh, jiu-jitsu rather than children. Like I actually chose that proactively as as a thing at the time because of my age and what I wanted to get done. And I see people parent. You have somebody that you're going to raise, a family member that you're going to raise – if you don't enjoy the two-year-old phase, like, you're going to miss it because it's not going to happen again for that human, Yeah, you know? Like, they're going to be 10 at some point and you'll enjoy that phase of their life, you know? Like, so I feel like within my journey, if you don't enjoy that one moment, like, it's not going to happen again, you know? Like, you can't keep recreating it and go, okay, I want, to, I want it to stay here in this way yeah, forever because I like this the most, you know? And I also can't um, resent it if it changes. Because it's going to change. Yeah, it has to. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about um, your style of jiu-jitsu, uh, sort of switching gears to the, the, the physicality aspect. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> Headbutts for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> knee cuts for everyone. <laughs> oh, I wish. I, I actually did, I did two knee cuts on Sunday for the first time in two and a half years. Dude, you knee cut the shit out of me when we trained. Dude, that was two years ago. No, down in Wollongong. It was like a year ago. No, I yeah. wouldn't knee cut. I couldn't. My knee didn't move. Sure you did. You didn't – it wasn't like um, – oh, it was just like a 
It wasn't like a knee cut through the middle. It's more of like a knee cut on the outside. Oh, yeah. So, like, smash. Yeah, kind of. But yeah. it was it was a speed thing. Yeah. I was like, damn. Yeah, but that you know why? is because my knee's dicey. And I know if you clamp on, if anybody clamps on, I'm stopping. Like, right. Lock your ears, everyone that wants to roll with me. But <laughs> if you get my right leg, yeah, I'm like, I just stop. Like, I dead stop. Because, like, you know that experience with, like, ACL movement? Like... If I get any like lateral movement on the lower limb, um, I'm gonna lock up. So, like, what you got some fucked up meniscus going on? Uh, no, like it's a long story. What's going on? But like, uh, the scans say no to the meniscus issue, but I definitely lock up, and it's an ACL movement thing. Right. So like, there's some laxity that shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't be there. And so at the moment, I'm like with JT, I'm doing like. Essentially a basic bodybuilding program to just get some bulk in there, like to get um, stability through like size rather than my ACL. <laughs> so there's a, there's a bunch going on, which, you know, like... Extra mass always If anyone's got some spare gi pants, I'd appreciate them because... <laughs> oh, you're swelling up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's an issue, but whatever. Like it, it keeps me stable. So, um, yeah, it uh, the, the knee cut thing, like... Uh, for those of you that don't know, like if the person on in, on bottom is playing um, with their two legs wrapped around one of my legs um, I, and I'm on top, I have an issue because I can't laterally move from my knee because I'll leave my shin behind. <laughs> so You'll I get there to, to where you're going, but the shin will still be on the other side. There'll, there'll be no winners. You know? <laughs> like, so that's what's happening for me. Um, and it was the main... Um, like it was the main basis of my setup for my passing series. So like if there's one thing that I do really, really well, it's pass half guard. Like, and most guards are a version of half guard once you get within a range because of just the math of legs. <laughs> like, so uh, I haven't been able to pass half guard for, since I first did my knee after the first injury from lockdown. Right. Yeah. And worse now from like, so I did one when we came out of, the, well, no, it wasn't two years ago then. So I did, the injury after the first series of lockdowns in New South Wales, the initial one, so it would have been November 18 months ago, and then um, we went into another set of lockdowns last year and I did it again just recently in um, January in Newcastle. Mm. But a different version of something bad. Same leg. Same leg. Fuck. Yeah. And same issue. Had driven all the way to Brisbane, driving back to Newcastle, did a seminar, did it in my own seminar. Both times I did it during my own seminar, which is awkward. Uh, yeah, how do you manage that? Oh, it's awkward. Are you yeah. like, ah, ah, stop, like yeah. that whole thing? It's super awkward because I also am very like hyper aware of, you know, somebody that comes to my seminar is probably a fan Yeah, and I don't want them to go home going, oh my God, I just broke my toy. Like it just <laughs> is awful. So you sort of mask the amount of pain that you're in and yeah, it was super awkward both times. Yeah. Oh, it happens, you know. Again. Like, it's not their fault. Like, it's my body and what I chose to do. Like, if I was in peak condition, it wouldn't have happened. Like, so it's not on them. It's definitely on me. No, it's just the way it goes, isn't it? It's just it? the way that it goes. Like, but yeah, so I can't remember what I was saying now. But so on right. to that, your your style of jiu-jitsu is very physical? Uh, yeah, I guess, yes. For my size, I would say that people are aware of me in the role. Yep. Like, I feel probably pretty stable. Which means that I met with a fair bit of force. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm small but sizable. So, like, I don't have a not lot of... Not wafy. Not wafy. I've got, I've got some staunch about me and I don't have a lot of... 
I have a really short torso, so um, there's not a lot of surface area to control of me. So I'm like, even though I'm small, I feel like a bag of frames and <laughs> people hit that. And um, unless you're quite advanced, you try to force into frames, which is great for me. It's how I play my game. I, I feel better if people are trying to like pressure me. Um, yeah, and uh, I think that you have to be pretty advanced to know how to crush frames or to, to negate them. You know, and yeah, so my game can escalate pretty quickly because it's like people are trying to like crush a gopher, you know, <laughs> that's kind of what happens, you know, and I have a bit of strength to give back in that and frames feel really strong, you know, and so structurally like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there can be a lot of force in my roles, but then also because I'm small, I move a lot. So yeah, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. To the point, and you mentioned it earlier about um, your size, your gender. Mm. Obviously, it's a it's a it's a, a, a significant consideration in jiu-jitsu being a female. Yeah, it's a male-dominated sport. Yeah, and it's an extremely physical game. Yeah, so you're in the training room, and you you know you're you're, you're rolling, you're sparring with, um, you're sparring with people for a for a woman who is smaller. There's an obvious disadvantage there. Mm. How has how has kind of just that as a dynamic affected your style of jiu-jitsu? Mm. Um, I think some of the teams that I came up in, it, like I, it's everybody's story. Everybody's massive, you know, like massive dudes doing this, that and the other. I think that generationally, like so the era that I came up in jiu-jitsu really affected that. Like um, Joey and I are both part of the era of like when guard came to Australia essentially – you know, like, because the guys that taught me jiu-jitsu were passing on their knees, you know. So you, even though I've heard stories like about Soph dealing with like bigger dudes or whatever, those dudes were on their knees. So their mass wasn't on the other person a right. lot of the time. They're resting their knees on the floor. It's traveling through the floor. That's right. So it was very different then as well. Um, but then if they passed you, like they're still in mountain, still in tight control, these things still suck. And also, there wouldn't have been as much open guard proficiency, you yeah. know. So that if it was like wrestling on the ground a lot more, I think. Um, and then we came along, and like Del Heaver and stuff started to be like more advanced in Australia. I, I think that there was a phase that changed things. You know, Jiu Jitsu came out of self defence, like as we sort of started Jiu Jitsu. I think you know, like it, it's. I don't know. It's different eras. So I was training with a great deal of those sort of old school guys um, that would just, yeah, pass on the knees, hold things real hard, never like never ease up on grips or whatever, you know. So I had to learn how to get them to move a lot because I physically couldn't move them. Like it, it really um, – it's clear to me that even if I fought like a fridge that doesn't know jiu-jitsu – if it was just falling on me, it would be really difficult. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I had to sort of learn how to fight a fridge, you know? Like it was more the mass that I was dealing with than like super advanced jiu-jitsu until later on. So I have a very like um, practical jiu-jitsu that's much more like stay safe, don't let them do anything, that sort of stuff. So I have, I have a style that's – it's more about – territory and control um 
and then everything comes out of that. So I just, yeah, so that's sort of where I'm coming from with it. I think that their style then affected my style and I'm like the swing between somebody like Hope that's like super high-end guard, very retention-based, very like very modern, like super modern um, and I'm sort of halfway between that world and the world that was like, but what if he punches you in the head from here, you know? Right. yeah. So, yeah, and, and that like that's represented um, – I think that that's represented in a lot of people's jiu-jitsu of my era. Like, so it's it's not necessarily, like, maybe being a woman that's flavoured my jiu-jitsu as much as my timing, you know? Like, I don't have a guard like a lot of the women that are competing at Black Belt now. Like, that's more modern than me. So it's not about the woman thing. I think it's a timing thing. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? But, like, as far as, like... Um, as a woman on the mat, like what you have to do to like to stay safe and to have an enjoyable evening, um, <laughs> it's. I think that I have a, a very strong approach to it. That's like fight the problem, not the person. So, I and when I finally like do do a DVD series or whatever, and I will do it at some point. But like when I finally do it, it's going to be about fighting shapes and styles rather than. Um, guards. So when I say like uh, this, every time I do a private lesson, this is what I'm talking to. Most women come to me for a private lesson saying, how do I cope with 100 kilo blue belt Steve? Like that's pretty much the question. Yeah, It's either that or my coach sucks or like I'm having a bad time or whatever it is. It's either emotional or it's blue belt Steve, side control, what the hell, right? Which is actually everybody's problem. So um, to me, I need to know whether blue belt Steve is a rhino or a giraffe. And then I can sort it out for them. And when right. I say that, like, it'll make sense to people that do jiu-jitsu, but, like, rhinos got a rhino. They just push, they go forward, pass on the knees a lot. The best thing that a rhino can do is, like, head towards your head, right? So rhinos will stack you. <laughs> rhinos will crush your butterfly guard, you know? Like, rhinos just go forward. They don't do anything else. Yeah. Rhinos go towards, like, um, campfires your head is the campfire. So whether, like, your feet are pushed into your face or whatever it is, like, you know these guys, right? Like, yeah. it doesn't matter whether they're rhino. But it's a rhino, right? Yeah. Like, mm, got to fix this mic. I'm turning into a hobbit. You can, um, yeah, lift that arm up. Okay. Should, should stay should there. Stay. Sorry that that's on the pod. You guys can't see it, but I'm like... I'm, <laughs> looks like I'm crying into my beard at a bar. The grappling golem. <laughs> yeah. It's not good, but, just like... just have so much fun on the mats. <laughs> we all look the same. That hump is oh, really yeah. gross. Um, yeah, so rhino's got a rhino. And a rhino can be a 60-kilo rhino or a 100-kilo rhino. But the problem is still the same. People that push, you know. Yep. So rhinos can do that on their feet. They can do it passing. They're a different problem when they're playing guard. But when they're in front of you, you can't let a rhino go forward and backward. You just can't. And you can't be in the way of the rhino, right? Yeah. So I I approach jiu-jitsu like that. I don't – yeah. If there's a rhino like that that's pushing at me, I'm not going to start working – trying to work my Delaheva because first off he's probably going to be on his knees, you know. As soon as I put like try to open up a guard, he's going to get underneath my legs and crush my f- knees into my face, Yeah. you know, and I don't like that. So I approach the rhino, not the person. Right, yeah. Yeah. You can see it more sort of objectively for the style that's coming yes. at you versus 
oh, this motherfucker's giving it. I, I, I got to beat him. Yeah, and I don't care whether they're like a knee cut guy or a, like this, that, or the other. Like, if you're rhinoing, I deal with the rhino. If you're a giraffe, like you know those people that you roll that are like. And like, there's no shade on rhino. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with being a rhino. Like, and that's why I use like. Got me to where I am. Yeah, but that's it, right? <laughs> like, there's monkeys. I deal with them as well. I'm yeah. like, that person is like, you know, they're literally a monkey on your back. Like, Ari on their mo- way. Would Ari be a monkey? Hundred yeah. percent a monkey. A problem. Like, yeah. lots of hands, lots of legs. Is there a tail in here? I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> what is that? Where did that leg come from? Like, yeah. you know, so that to me, like I'm dealing with a problem. Like, so I'm not going to try to run out a monkey because they've seen the problem before. So on both sides of the scale, like if I'm rolling a giraffe, you know, those people that you roll and like you just hit a bag of elbows and shins and stuff and you're just like, ow, like yeah. they're going to triangle you at some point. Like that person is, like, I've never even met them, but I know that that giraffe is going to triangle you (laughs) so maybe don't put your head down in your passing you know like so that sort of stuff like I I think because I like came from a self-defense background and it's not to say that like I use any of my crab and gar on the map because it's a detriment to jiu-jitsu like when you try to implement it they're the opposite thing um I think the logic of of self-defense has really flavored my approach and so I've been able to stay safe a really long time like I know I could talk about my injuries but my injuries are my own through aging and use right it's not for I've never been hurt by people you know I don't get hurt by people like I get hurt by doing a sport so yeah I think maybe I don't know whether that's because I'm a woman and because I am small I don't know whether it's gender-based but I definitely have always approached my jiu-jitsu in that way fight the problem not the person like, I don't care if you're a Delaheva guy. If you've got the energy of a rhino, I'm going to deal with you like a rhino. It, from a practical perspective, how do you identify mm. – where does, where does that analysis mm. happen? Is this like – you know, are you, are you catching cues from – you know, is it how they start the round? Are, yeah. are you, do you go through a bit of a feeling out process? Very often your body predicts a lot – you know, and if you lift, that predicts a lot as well. Like, I don't know. I feel it straight away. So, like, I um, I was a very slow starter in competition. Like, the first three minutes can look pretty dicey with me. Three to five minutes, you can be like, wow, this is bad. Like, objectively bad for you. <laughs> and then things come good because I have to feel what we're doing and, and not necessarily the technique, right? Like, I might not understand your whole, like, complex guard system – but I, like, really read what you're trying to do, you know? Like, and I approach that. So, um, like, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you said that you play a lot of X and single X and stuff, right? I've never seen you do that because I've only ever rolled with you post-ACL reconstruction. Yeah. So I've only seen the half guard. So I'm really right rolling that. Yeah. Even though your game's more complex, like, I'm just rolling that part of your game and so I – play against that kind of game like so if you present to letting me into a half guard space you want the half guard right which is like straight away even just from a self-defense perspective my knee's not good enough to go in there so I'm going to move fast like you mentioned to get my leg out of there because once I'm in the bear trap it's like I'm in the bear trap and we're fighting over that and I physically cannot fight you over that yeah I can avoid it you know because I've recognized it and that's pretty much yeah, how I identify. It's like feeling like uh, you roll with someone, you tap hands with someone, and if they 
really want your wrist grip, like a like open palm wrist grip, not not uh, a gi grip. That person's going to kimura you at some point. F- fact. Yeah, like, it's, like a, it's a it's a pretty strong cue. <laughs> yeah, like it's just. Uh, People only take what they want, really. Like, unless it's or, bait. But or if that's they have like, the name Kimura in their Instagram handle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> BJJ at the end of the Instagram yeah. handle. I think I've recently done that, so I shouldn't laugh at it. But, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, mm. there's very the few. Yeah, there's very few people that are being playful in a gym that won't go for what they want, you know? Like, I'm a reactive fighter, like... I always have been. That's why I was a slow starter as a competitor. Like, I respond to what you're doing. I very rarely just take what I want and then go. And I used to think that that was a bad thing. Like, I was, you know, like like that imposter syndrome of, like, everybody else has got a guard, you know. It's like I didn't feel like I had one, but I have one. It's just that I don't, like, specifically gun for something. Yeah. I just make sure that you can't, you know. And that's a game in its own right. So... Yeah, like I, I think that um, being able to recognise that has is of benefit. Like, not everybody has to do it that way. Like, every approach to jutsu is essentially valid. You know, if it's biomechanically sound, it's valid, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Like for me, um, I think that approach has paid off really well because I get to, I get to have successes regardless of what like they're working on you know so it can be really frustrating to be like okay i'm working on my delheva and you keep trying to set it up and they keep shutting it down and you keep trying to set it up like but for me i'd approach it like more as i'm working on responding to whatever they're working on so that like you see the whole gambit right and then you start to copy it or like yeah do the same thing back to them later on because you've seen it so often yeah, I, like I talk about it at seminars a lot, but I like try to be like Mystique, you know, the X-Men, just like steal everyone's stuff. Mystique, oh, is that... Um, the blue thing. Oh, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I she... thinking Halle Berry, but yeah, okay. I, I think it's that, I think, I don't know, it's very vague. scales. Yeah, and yeah. you just sort of steal people's stuff. Yeah, but you've got to see them first, right? <laughs> yeah. Have you always had that sort of... Um, What's the what's the term I'm looking for? Frame um, clarity of thought within the fire of a jiu-jitsu role or a competition to be able to assess oh what's going on right now. Not always, no. But like I feel like um, there was a point in time where so I was I did Krav Maga for a couple of years, and there was a point in time where it just like clarified itself for me, and I realised that it was all the same shapes. They're just done. Like, it's the same – you're doing the same thing everywhere. It's just on the ground or standing or, like, sideways or whatever it was. But it was all the same shape. It was very, very basic what was happening. Like, it was so not complicated. It's like the, I use a lot of analogies, you know, like, and you can hear it. Like, it's just how my brain works. I, I'm pretty simple and so the sport has to simplify itself for me to understand it. Like, I'm not I'm – not, it's actually simplifying it that makes me be able to see it. So I – the analogy that I would, like, explain it as is, like, you know when you walk from a bright room into a dark room and you know there's shit in there but you just have to wait for your eyes to adjust? I trust that my eyes will adjust. So I just do the thing until my eyes adjust. 
So I think that re- realistically, I had no idea what the fuck was going on with jiu-jitsu until mid-brown belt. Mm. Like I couldn't see it. But I trusted that I would at some point. Right. You know, like so I just kept doing it. Like it's like walking into that room. Like I know there's going to be a table in there. So just like kind of walk slowly, you know, <laughs> like don't bump into things. But trust that it's – there's you know there's stuff in there. Yeah. Your eyes are just going to adjust. And I feel – like I – Palpably feel the moment that that happens for techniques for me. And once I understand them, I fully understand them. Like I can completely understand them in space. Like if you, I can turn it around in my head. Wow. Yeah. Very easily. But I wouldn't say that I could at the beginning and forcing it wouldn't work either. Yeah. I just had to do the thing until I can see the thing. So now it just is so clear to me what's going on in the positions that I'm in. There's still like places definitely in jujitsu that. I'm in the dark, but I'll just keep doing it. Like You know it'll come. Oh, man. Like deep half? What the fuck? I don't play it. I've never been in there because I haven't wanted to be underneath people and wear their weight, you know. But now I have to play it because of what's happening with my ACL. So, like, in at times I have to, like, bail out of a position underneath just so um, they don't force pressure from my heel to my butt. Yep. So I, like, <laughs> disappear, right? And it... Deep half is a problem for me because I, I'm not in – my eyes haven't adjusted yet, but it will. Yeah. Whereas half guard, like, oh, my God. There's, there's not a thing in half guard that I can't see in my mind. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, um, I'm guessing it's for, – for people listening who are maybe not <laughs> training jiu-jitsu, there's a lot of that. Yeah. It's like, you know – Hopefully they can follow the thread. Hopefully, sorry. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's 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 we're getting into the nitty gritty of it. But yeah. to give an interesting observation or like additive to what you just said, Jess, mm. is that none of my jujitsu works like that at all. Oh wow! I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All I know is what I want to do. Yeah. Cool. And and it's just fascinating because you would think that hearing what you're saying, like, okay, yeah, that's how it works. Mm. But not in my mind. In my mind, no, I just do what I want to do. Yeah. And then when what I want to do doesn't work, I usually need to ask someone else, why isn't it working on that person? Sure. And they'll say, oh, well, they keep doing this. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, great, thanks. Yeah. But I've I've always seen that as a, you know, it's gotten me to where I am. But it's but totally I've, valid. Totally valid. And it's totally But I've also always thought I really need to have more, like I need to be able to Nah. To see more what's happening in the in real time. I don't I don't think that's true, right? Like I had this like Well maybe I, I would like to rather not. Yeah, but I have aspirational to. doesn't mean that like like I would like to be as strong as I was when I was thirty six. But I don't have to be. You know? Like it's still gonna function without that. Like I like had this moment that was like, you know, that light clearing in the dark at Worlds. I think I've talked to you guys about this before, so I hope I'm not repeating myself. I do. That's just what black belts do. We've only got one memory and we keep telling it. (laughs) (laughs) You just have to sit through it a bunch of times. But, like, so I went to Worlds, you know, and um, we're all standing, like, on on the side of the mat waiting to be called up for the first matches, you know. And I look around and there's, like, Lepree and M- Michelle Nicolini and, like, all these people standing in different corners, you know, Keenan Cornelius. Like, I'm saying names that only mean something to jiu-jitsu people and even those jiu-jitsu people, you probably don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Whatever. Think big names, right? Best in the world. Yeah. And I realised that there's not, like, there was just this moment of, like, clarity of, like, 
that's Octopus Guard and Worm Guard over there and, you know, balloon sweeps and all this stuff. And there's not – like they're just jujitsu people that did jujitsu long enough that they sold a DVD that has a name. They like labelled it Coyote Guard or whatever the hell you're going to call it, right? Yeah. But it's the fruition of just their expression of jujitsu and then we name it something. But really it's just that person. And the way that they did it is just valid. You think that you need to become that, but they didn't have that person to become, you know? Right, They've just yep. become themselves. Like, yep. So people come to my seminar like, and want to ask me about certain things. Like uh, I've got somebody that wants to do a private lesson, like just based she, – she said to me on the weekend, I just want your hips. And I was like, cool, I don't know how to provide that for you, you know? <laughs> like I can teach you like how I approach it, but probably the way you're already approaching it is valid. When you're a black belt, somebody's going to be asking you. How did you do it and how did you get here? And I think that, like, it's important to note that the way you're doing it is the right way. If it's biomechanically sound, if it's logical, it's the right way to do it, you know? Like, one of my friends, Margot, she's Margot Cicerelli. She's um, going to be, like, a black belt world champion multiple times over. She's, like, kind of on her way right now, like, debut years in black belt. Fantastic. So she was in Australia for a really long time and doing seminars and stuff and, you know, like brown belt, purple belt or whatever, like it, 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 people just sort of don't, it's not like it's the Craig Jones tour, you know what I mean? But now that she's on the world stage, all of her behaviours and all of her process is valid. Everyone's like, what did you do? Right. Five years ago, like everyone just was like, I don't know, she's breakdancing in the corner. What the hell is that? Yeah. You know? But now it's... Because she's um, validated it by being on a world stage, everybody's like, okay, cool, I need to do it that way. But she wasn't going to somebody to find that way. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, it wasn't like an exceptional process. It was just her process. It was a process, right? And I know that everybody wants insight to how did you get there. But I think that there's too many variables to fully emulate somebody else, you know? Yeah. And that there's nothing wrong with the way that you're doing it. My way is just like, honestly, like when I was a blue belt, we wouldn't be talking on this podcast. You wouldn't ask me. You'd just be like, what the the hell is that chick doing? Punk blue belt on the show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing, right? Like, and that doesn't mean that it's not valid. Like, I think that there's a lot. Unless I was a white belt. (laughs) Yeah. Then you would think I was (laughs) a hero. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. What's it like? (laughs) (laughs) Totally, but that's true, right? Yeah. And that hasn't really changed. Like, I've got a lot of experience. Yes, we both have a lot of experience and there's a lot that I can share, but that doesn't mean that, like, the way that somebody else is processing is the wrong way and it should be changed. I think that, you know, like, that's something that comes up a lot when I'm mentoring women is they feel like they need to do it a certain way or they should be doing, like, what is it that I'm missing that's not, like, revealing this thing to me? And I feel shame because I don't have a game yet. Like, you have a game. You, you're doing jiu-jitsu. If you keep getting caught in a triangle, you have a game. Even if you're getting triangled, you have a game. It's you that's putting both knees on the mat. It's you that's passing in that way. It's you that's not noticing your posture. Like, that's your game. It might suck, but it's your game and it yeah. needs to be fixed, you know? Like, so there's a lot of, like... um people emulating like so there's people emulating their heroes but their heroes didn't get there emulating themselves yeah well they weren't always that exactly yeah they went through a process 
which like if you're a white belt or a blue belt and you're like wanting to buy a DVD or whatever because you want that specific guard or that technique, that guy didn't get there with that technique. That's the fruition of that guy. Yeah. You know, it's not like lifting in that way, you know, like lifting there's an end goal. Like I feel like when I do a deadlift, there's an end goal of like better form. I have to go towards that. Going away from it and doing trial and error is in fact pretty dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll just round my back out and see what happens, you know, like that's not the way. Yeah. We know the way towards like better lifting. But jiu-jitsu, because it is an art, can be expressed in any way. One of the things that people don't consider is you can be in the sport and just not be good at it and it not be a problem. You're still sharing the mat with me at the same time, right? Like I see it more like surfing in that there's a couple of like fundamental rules. You probably want to be on top of the board, you know, like on a wave. But at the same time, like that's the goal, but like – when I go surfing, I suck at surfing. Like, I, it's really very rare if I get on a wave. But I'm still out surfing, right? Like, the act of being in the water with the board, I'm surfing. I don't have to do it like you. Yeah. I can try and I can take your insight and stuff, but I, I literally don't have to do it like you. I don't even have to like the same breaks as you at all, ever, you know? It's a good point. Yeah. You're still a surfer. Exactly. Still. Even if I – like, it's like fishing, I'm in a boat. I have a rod. Do you have a fish? Nah, but I'm fishing, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I can actually suck at it and still be Fuck fishing. Fuck you, I'm having a shit time as well, so I'm fishing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, like fishing can be social with beers. Yeah. Fishing can be like getting a marlin out of something, you know? Like I don't know. Like, But it, you're still doing the act so you are the thing. It doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to look like mine at all. Interesting. I um I had a guy text me on Instagram this morning actually. Mm. Um well I don't know when he sent it. He's uh he's a fan of Bulletproof. Good. And he's uh, and he listens to the podcast and he's yep. he was born with he's young I guess he's in his twenties, thirties. He was born with a deformity in both arms. Uh-huh. Uh not like uh, he sh- he showed me, he sent me a couple of videos of him. He's like, here's my arm and sure. they're not noticeably deformed, but the elbows seem to really the funny way the elbow moves when okay. he extends his arm. Yep. And he said, um, I don't even remember what the deformity is called. I got told when I was like 10 years old and I've forgotten. Wow. He goes, I looked <laughs> Not it up. invested in that information. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. give a fuck, you know. Yeah. But, <laughs> Good. but he said, but I've been tra- – and I've, I've been um, – I think he said I've avoided contact sports for a long time, but I just found jiu-jitsu and I fucking love it. Awesome. Yeah. And yep. he said, uh, my elbow keeps dislocating. Mm. Yeah. And he's like, got any advice? Mm. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I actually, I think I sent him like four minutes worth of voice message back. Cause I'm oh, like, wow. yeah, I've yeah. got a couple of things to share, but, yeah. but one of the things I said was, um, and this is not necessarily a solution. And this mm. is, this is, you know, for some people, this would be very unsatisfying to hear, but I'm like, look, man, I, I've seen all kinds of people be part of jujitsu. You know, mm. I saw a, a black belt match at the last comp that I went to where I think the, I think one of the competitors had uh, cerebral palsy. Sure. And I'm like, obviously, the competitor that was competing with him was not going 100%. It was a, like an exhibition style thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm like, but that guy's part of the community and he's doing it yep. to the degree that he can do it. Yep. You know, and I've seen blind people and I've seen people without legs and, you know, right? I've seen yeah. veterans with all sorts of, um, you know, changes to their body and whatnot. So I'm like, you can engage in it, you can do it in, in your way. Mm. Um, I'm like, 
that's not necessarily what you want to hear. You know, you, maybe yeah. you can't go into the fire to that degree, but yeah, but yeah, you can you can be part of it. That's kind of just 100%. got me thinking to your point about like, yeah, you don't necessarily have to be exceptional. You don't have to take it as seriously as that person, or as seriously as mm. I do, or as or as much as your coach wants you to. Exactly. But you can engage with it in the way that you would like to. Yeah, doing the thing you are the thing, you know, like it. It doesn't have to be like anybody else, really. You know, and it, it won't be. And that, I think, is something to really remember in looking up to your heroes in jiu-jitsu or, like, your coach or whatever. It doesn't have to look like that. It doesn't have to be your whole world. It can be part of your world. And, in fact, I think that that's the healthiest way to approach jiu-jitsu. Like, I think that it should be part of your life, you know. And if your coach owns the building that he's coaching out of, it's probably his whole life. So there's some stuff that you're not going to emulate, and that's okay. You know, like, it's totally fine. It's like skateboarding's not going to be my life in the way that it would have been if I started when I was 15. And that doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying it or loving it, like, or can make it my everyday thing. Like, it, it just is how it's going to represent in me, you know? Like, and the reality is, we're all doing that. You're going to be in this sport as much as you can be. And really, realistically, it should be as much as you want to be, you know? Like, given your parameters whether it's this guy's elbow sure whether it's my age sure you know gender whatever like like the goldfish growing to the size of its tank right just that's fine and it doesn't mean that it has to be the same as me like at all I think that finding people that communicate to you in a way that does help you grow is is a bigger goal than trying to like definitely do it the way that somebody you champion does it. All you need is the information because you, you, realistically you're not going to do it like anyone else. Yeah, it's impossible. Mm. I think that's a great spot for us to finish up on, Jess. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it. Um, you've, I know you had a, a, an A-Gig event recently. Yeah. Do you have anything upcoming that you want to plug like where can people find you, privates, all that stuff? Sure. So um, I don't know when this will be released into the wild. Within a week or two. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so I do have an event that will be sooner than that. So I don't know whether it's worth talking about, but we just had a camp, which was really fun. And we've got our comp this Sunday, which I guess I shouldn't timestamp, but there is a comp coming up in the next 48 hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's happening. Um and then I fly to New Zealand. I'm going to go coach for a couple of months in New Zealand and, yeah, like be a, a <laughs> I don't know, like a guest coach, which is really cool, get some ski season in. But Where at? Uh, Queenstown. Oh, cool. I know. Very cool. you got a relationship there already? Yeah. So Paula and Brent own um, uh, a gym down there. It's – I would have to look up the name of the gym. I know it means the heart – but in Maori, so yep. like I'm going to butcher it even if I say it. Brent. Do they have a podcast? No. I don't think so. They're awesome. I've, is it, It's not um, Tewana Jiu-Jitsu, it is it? It is, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he uh, has been a subscriber of Bulletproof for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think they might actually have an Academy subscription. Awesome. So I think their team uses it. That's a nice crossover. Okay, yeah, lovely. Venn diagram of my worlds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 
So going to go coach there for two months and then um, I'm back like very briefly, but I'm going to move back to Melbourne. So Are you? Yeah. Controversial. Yeah, finally though. Like COVID's over, I'm going back. Yeah, I've missed my team a lot, you know, I miss my coach a lot. So it's a really good opportunity to be back there and hang out with them. So events will roll out of Melbourne um, a little bit more regularly. We're going to do comps. So um, the structure of Australian Girls and Gee is such that – I am there to support women excel in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and um, one of the things that we do is run events and those events, uh, like 50% of all takings, goes to people like Hope, people that are floating around in the community so they can travel for competing as black belts and stuff like that. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's always been the structure. Yeah. Um, whether it's supported me to do that or other athletes to do that, it's always been the structure. That's the whole point of the thing is like, yes, the events are amazing, but they're also fundraising. Like they're essentially like crowdfunding wow. to, to support that. So all of the comps, they're like they're something that I would have retired from Australian Girls and Gee. I didn't, I didn't have the energy to do it anymore. And in fact, it doesn't pay me enough to run them. But with Hope's involvement, that's like she, – she clearly works in the jiu-jitsu community. She works like full-time, but that's the cream on top that helps get her overseas. So okay. if you're around and you want to do a comp just for yourself, that's rad. Half of your ticket is going to get us our first Black Belt World Champion. I'm certain of it. So, yeah, support that thing. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Um, how can people support it? Where can they, where can they find – like what's the website – Right, so Australian Girls in Ghee is like, that's the thing. Or if you just look me up, Jess Fraser, Jiu-Jitsu, I think I am on Instagram. I'll change that a couple of times. So, um, yeah, uh, just do a Google search of, like, my name. You'll, you'll find Australian Girls in Ghee. So it's a, a community that a community network that I've developed so I can, um, yeah, be in the sport of Jiu-Jitsu myself when I was a competitor and support that lifestyle so I could – like gain as much skill and expertise as I possibly could to then offer back to that community that like had developed and and grown. And now I'm stepping into a space where I'm trying to find other women to create that service for. So I'll take a step back from being like the person that it's supporting the most and things like, you know, just recently, though she's just been injured, she's really unfortunate. Um, we're trying to generate some money to help Ari get to Commonwealth Games and things like that. So we, oh. the, the women that have like come up through through Australian Girls and Gee as a structure and are now hitting elite level, the events support them. Yeah. So anything that you see, like there's a merch store like online that um, I run and that's, that's what that's doing. Um, if you want to go to the comps, the comps come up. We advertise them through Instagram mainly. That's what people would see because otherwise it's like a mailing list. But, yeah, have a look at us on Instagram. You'll see the marketing go up. Um, you can come to the comps as a spectator. So your 20 bucks helps. Like it really is – it's it's supporting women either way, right? So like if you look at the structure of our comps, we've created a minor league for women – as competitors essentially so it's a very easy on-ramp for competition it's a round robin so you're always going to get more matches even if you get bashed in your first one you're going to meet other people that are going to be at the bigger comp so you'll feel confident walking into a room and go okay i know that chick like know what she's going to do you know all that kind of stuff you might have friends in the bullpen when you go to the pan packs that sort of thing so we're creating community within that so you get a bit of a chance to have a no stakes comp you know 
Also, all of the refs are, you're going to see will be like the purple belts and stuff that have come through, done that. Now they want to learn how to ref or marshal. So they learn with us in a really supportive environment with like people like me and Hope floating around. So you've got all of that experience and expertise there helping you. And so then when grappling industries rolls through town or whatever and they offer paid, we pay as well. We do offer paid roles, but um, they come through and offer a paid role as a ref on a Sunday and you don't want to compete, but you want to be involved then you've got the skills, like it's a minor league, right? That's like, cool. Yeah, so that's what we're doing and it supports on all levels. And then there's like a children's division, so very often, um, well, always uh, kids are merged, boys and girls, and that's difficult for some families culturally as well as just like, I don't know, for whatever reason, I think kids are kids, but like for some people they don't want their girls to always be fighting boys, no problem. Come to our comp, there's going to be a division for you, you know, three matches or four matches or whatever it is in a round-robin format, and it's cheap. <laughs> Mate. It's, it's, it's the perfect store. Just it's awesome. Come. It's fun. And also, if as a spe- spectator you haven't seen a room full of women trying to bash each other, come and check it out. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. It's like it's a thing. I've had black belts turn up, sit next to me, and they're like, this is amazing, eh? Like, this is – I've never seen anything like this. Like – how long have they been doing this for? And I'm like, well, I have been doing this for 12 years. Like, <laughs> they, they haven't yeah. even, like... What are they? Are they women? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, but it just, like, people, until you see it, you don't know what it is. And also, some of the most savage fights, I tell you, whew, women want to kill each other. <laughs> it's really cool. Like, it's really awesome. And the kids' mat is just so exciting and loud and it's really fun, you know. Where is the comp this weekend? This one's at Seven Hills at um, a gym there, Club Club Delutus. Oh, Club Delutus, yeah. I am butchering some words today. (laughs) I think they're on the program too. (laughs) Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, boys. Hi, thanks for your facility. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So out there. We did the camp there last weekend too. Okay. Mm, Yeah, they're very supportive of A-Geek. That's that's rad. Yeah. Man, such a – like, you know, it's it's one thing to have like a – yeah, I've got an organisation and we put on these events and do whatever. But you've got like multiple layers, so different layers. elements of like different different pieces of contribution and different age groups. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really, it's really cool. inspiring to hear about. Yeah, it's awesome. I do love it. It's a lot. And like there's a lot of benefit to it, but I do – I'm very proud of it. I do love it. I love that like, you know, there's – there would be 14-year-old fighters – well, competitors moving from juvie to like adult divisions pretty soon that their first competition was an A gig comp and it was seven years ago, you know, like yeah. that sort of stuff. Like there's people that are like A gig has been around for just shy of 11 years now. So there's people that are 20 year olds that like have been in the sport for 10 years that A gig's always been around. So yeah, right. I think that that's pretty that's special. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Mm. Thank you. No worries. Thank Good you. to have you on. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening. Go yeah. check out Jess's work. Um, yeah. I'll put a link to Australian Girls in Gee and to Jess's Instagram in the mm. show notes. Um, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, share it with a friend, part, send on the love. And um, if you dig the show generally, hit the subscribe button so you get updated when we drop our weekly episode. Yeah. Catch yeah. you guys next week. Thanks. Cheers, Jess.